Okay, there we go. What are you waiting for? Do it! Triple M. Talking to a lady, Catherine, who's in London, where they've got this giant David Bowie Starman mural, which was painted by an Australian painter as well. And people are out the front of that in Brixton in the UK celebrating. Here's some audio of that. That's incredible, isn't it? It's a celebration of uh, the life and the contribution of music that David Bowie gave us. Catherine's on the phone. How are you? Hi, Phil. I'm good, thanks. I just heard the audio of people singing at Brixton. It sounds amazing. What was it like down there? Yeah, it was just an incredible atmosphere. Um, There's a mural there um, that was painted a few years ago, um, I think by an Aussie guy, actually. And um, people have been laying flowers there all day. and yeah, people were just singing and lots of people in makeup and costume and it was just an incredible atmosphere. Yeah, it seems like it's gone from a sense of shock to a bit of a celebration about Bowie's life from what I could see on the video. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it was all about celebration and people were obviously really sad and shocked. But um, yeah, they tried to turn it into something positive and kind of more of a um, celebratory atmosphere. Any idea what the celebrations are going to be over the next few days? I imagine they're going to ramp up a little bit yeah i think so um i mean brixton um where he was born it's always got this um kind of unique atmosphere so i'm sure there'll be stuff going on there over the next few days um the the council are quite into it the local cinemas put um tribute to him on their kind of lettering outside so um yeah i'm sure there'll be other stuff going on hey cat really appreciate that thank you so much okay thanks phil and I got Cassie on the phone as well from the Bowie Down Under fan club. I imagine you've got a few things going on too. Yes, we're in some talks at the moment with um, a venue um, in Melbourne, and we're um, the Bowie Down Under fan fan club, which um, which I'm a, one of the founding members of. We're looking at um, trying to organise something this weekend, but also a couple of the bars in Melbourne are organising things, and no doubt they are in Sydney as well. I imagine the feedback that you've had from your fan club members initially was as we were yesterday at this time, just complete shock. Um, it was utter shock. Um, on Saturday night, um, we had a big party to celebrate his 69th birthday and also um, the wonderful new album that he gave us for his 69th birthday. Um, and it was such a happy occasion. And suddenly, uh, you know, 48 hours later, he's he's gone. Um, so it was a massive shock. So we had a, a smaller commiseration ga- um, gathering, but also a celebration of his music. It was just not quite as cheerful as Saturday night. Of course not. And if people wanted to get in touch with you, where can they find you? Um, they can find us at bowiedownunder.com. And we also have an Instagram account, which is called David Bowie is underscore in Melbourne. And uh, that was started up during the exhibition here in Melbourne um, last year. And that's still going very strong, even though the exhibition is now um, in the Netherlands. All right, Cassie, appreciate it. Thanks. Nice to talk to you. How are you, Sammy X? It's been a weird 24 hours, hasn't it? 
It has. It's been a very weird 24 hours. And you know what makes it even weirder here is they've had to lower the blinds last night because they were doing some cleaning and we can't find the remote control, so the blinds are all down. So it's completely pitch black in here. It's very weird. It's a very strange kind of dark. But I want to talk about this US Powerball lottery. $1.3 billion, the jackpot. Wow. $1.3 billion. That's that's, a lot. You wouldn't even be able to comprehend that phone call. Or could you imagine sitting there in front of your lotto numbers and just looking at them and thinking you'd won? Which reminds me, let me tell you, remind me in about 20 minutes to tell you the worst practical joke to play on someone, all right? Okay. A bit like the poor TV news reporter who was told, go down to the Powerball office and have a chat with somebody down there who's filling in and find out what they would do with their money. I love live news crosses. We're here at the line where people are doing it uh, the old-fashioned way. They're just filling out bubbles here. I want to turn some of these people around and ask you guys, sir, can I ask you what your lucky numbers are? Uh, I'm going to pick 14, 24, 2, 7, and 15. Oh, those are your lucky numbers. Can I tell you what, do you know your chances of winning? Slim to none. Slim to none, you're right. Let me tell you, it's one out of 292 million. What do you think about that? I knew it. You knew it. <laughs> your, your numbers are lucky, though, am I right? I hope so. I hope so. Can I ask you, if you won all the money, what would you do with it? Bunch of hookers and cocaine. Oh, okay, that's not good. <laughs> we were hoping for a different answer. That's probably not the answer that we're looking for. <laughs> Imagine him explaining that to his accountant. How did you lose your money? Don't ask me, man! <laughs> hey, remind me, I've got to tell you this story about Lotto. It's a great trick that you can play on Friends as well in just a moment. Okay, I'll remind you. Hey, John, what do you got? My nephew, um, his mum asked him to write down the Tats Lotto numbers one Saturday night. Yeah. So he, he took her Tats Lotto ticket and wrote all the numbers from her Tats Lotto ticket on a piece of paper. Yeah. And left it on the kitchen table for her. And then he went out. And when he got home... She was dancing up and down the street, yelling abuse at the neighbours, telling she would like to put up with people anymore. She rung her boss, told him to stick a job. Oh, no. And he, he come home and he's going, Mum, what's wrong? She goes, one catch lotto. He goes, Mum, Mum, Mum. She goes, no, no. And she was excited. He goes, I wrote the numbers down off your ticket. You haven't won. <laughs> and uh, she was shattered. So after last night, because we, Gazzo didn't get to do any goss because we were doing Bowie, so we didn't really get a chance to talk about Lemmy's funeral, which you streamed on Sunday. It was tough watching, uh, Phil. It really was. Yeah, I know. Tough being oh. there, apparently, according to Dave Grohl and Slash and Rob Halford from Judas Priest. Yeah, and wasn't his son Paul Inder just fantastic? And yeah, seeing Dave Grohl choke up, yeah, it had me choked up. I went and watched it in a park. I actually got that it was on and then I got a, a tweet saying, watch it now. And, um, yeah, I, I managed to catch the last half hour of it. I thought it was fantastic. Was it quite serene there in the park with, you know, you just streaming? Well, yeah, it was kind of weird, actually. <laughs> I did get choked up, I, I will admit, yes. And I, li- I liked how Paul, uh, his son, said, look, he wasn't a religious man and, uh, you know, praying for a miracle was something that he would have viewed as delusional. But then he went on to say he was profoundly spiritual and I kind of I kind of get that with someone like Lemmy. Normally when you're in a park, you're wearing a long raincoat and taunting old people. That is the change for the books. Here's what Dave Grohl had to say. There's not enough time for me to tell you how much Lemmy meant to me and all of the amazing experiences that I had with him. The first time I met Lemmy, I was at Crazy Girls about 20 years ago and I was walking back to the men's room and I saw Lemmy by himself in the corner on a video game. He's my hero. He's the one 
true rock and roller that bridged my love of ACDC and Sabbath and Zeppelin with my love of GBH and the Ramones and Black Flag. Dave Grohl there talking at Lemmy's funeral. So I was just telling you before about this Powerball lottery. The Powerball jackpot in the States is $1.3 billion. And it reminded me of a practical joke that they played on a friend of ours a few years ago. Um, and it wasn't that elaborate, but I guess it was, it was all in the planning. And his name's Dave, and he came over. This was back in the days when Lotto used to be televised, and I think it came on at 7.30 at night, and people used to wait for the dropping of the balls. And so what they did was they got the previous week's Lotto draw and pre-recorded it. So everyone's a little bit drunk. Dave comes over and, you know, everybody's in on the joke except Dave. And um, everyone's like, oh, hang on, hang on, Lotto's on. I've got the Lotto ticket here. First number comes in. And the girlfriend says, oh, it must be Dave. Dave's because Dave's just right. It must be Dave. Dave's the lucky guy. Okay, Dave, it's a $3 million jackpot. If we get all of the numbers, you're having a million of this. You know, we're all like, Dave doesn't know. Second number comes out. Third number comes out because it's the previous wig straw pre-recorded. They had all of the numbers. Eventually, right, okay, yeah. it's like fever pitch. You know, like, I can't believe it. Dave, like, D- Dave, if we win this, like, it's three million. You are going to win a million dollars. Final number comes out. Everybody erupts. Dave can't believe it. He's like, are you kidding? You know, you don't have to give me a million. Everyone's like, no, Dave, seriously, man, you're the lucky one here. You are going to get a million. You've just won a million dollars for being our lucky guy. So... Like, that would have been great, right? Yeah. Except they kept it going for about 30 minutes. Jumping oh. around, partying. Dave can't believe it. He's like completely un- I've just won him. You really got, are you sure? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, mate. You're the lucky guy. Have a million dollars, Dave. This went on for half an hour until it got to the stage where Dave's ringing his mum and dad going, no. Oh, you won't believe it. I'm over at my mate's house. They've just, they've won the lottery. They're giving me a million dollars. Yeah, a million. Eventually, somebody had to say to him, Um, dude just a joke we recorded last week's lotto and like we just pretended we won and <gasps> that's so incredibly cruel and i can't believe that they would do that devastated poor dave dave was just devastated he to this day block party at touring australia at the moment there are rubber bands tonight they're going to go downstairs with butch veg in just a moment they're going to play a couple of tracks for us live as well uh, it's great to have you back here because you had a bit of a hiatus what was the you got new members in the band what was the criteria for the new members um well they had to be fun yeah don't annoy me would be <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh no um just they had to be great musicians you know they had to have their own musical voice which um you know might sound like quite a vague thing but you know there are lots of great musicians out there that, that, that don't really know how to express what they want to say and it's you know and it's it was important that they had their own musical voice really that they had their own sense of musicality and, and both Justin and Louise do have that so right. we're very lucky because I know you said you wanted to make an album that was diverse yeah. um, even quite extreme to the previous sound so yeah. with that in mind did you give them an idea of what you were trying to do or did you give everybody carte blanche we spoke at the start of the process Russell and I spoke mm-hmm. about what um, what we wanted to try and achieve with this next record um, you know and how it was going to be a different approach I think previously when we made albums we you know it was very much about getting as much as we could onto the track to make it sound big and full yeah but I felt we were going to have to, it was going to be the opposite this time around. We were trying to, you know, for the songs to work, they needed to feel like they were quite skeletal, that there was nothing yeah. there. And that was going to be a different kind of approach. So we had to be both on board with that. And 
you know, and, and, and we were, and, and we spoke to Justin as well um, about the nature of the record and what we were trying to achieve, and, and he understood. And yeah, so yeah, I think we were all of the same mindset. Hey, it's great to have you back, and there's been really great vibes and really great reports on the show as well. So thank, thank you. you so much for coming in and doing some live stuff. Really yes. appreciate it. In Brixton, in London, fans are gathering around a David Bowie Ziggy Stardust mural celebrating David Bowie's life. So I was watching ABC News 24 and I was surprised to find out that the mural of David Bowie that they're all celebrating around was painted by an Australian guy called James, who's on the phone at the moment. I guess the last 24 hours have been a bit hectic for you. It's all been a bit hectic, literally minutes before I was on the phone to London and there's a lot happening here. So are you a Bowie fan? Yeah, I am, of course. Um, Bowie was a musician and an artist that I've always respected. I I love all his music and his songwriting is incredible. I love his lyrics as well. Ziggy Stardust, the mural that you did in Brixton has become the centre point for celebrations, that must make you feel quite special as well. Yeah, it's it's, it's really amazing. I mean, you know, I, when I painted that wall, I it could not have known that one day it would serve as a kind of um, tribute, or you know, well, you know, it's even looking like a shrine at this stage. It is. It's quite amazing. But it, this is, I guess, this is the nature of painting on the street as well. You know, you never know how that wall is going to be received or how long it's going to last. If it's going to be embraced by the community or rejected. Straight away, the, um, the Brixton locals really um, embraced that mural from, from the day I painted it. And how long ago was that, James? It was um, 2013. Right. So, so it's been there for a while, um, you know, and was well looked after and been given a second life. When you see the news reports where people are laying down the flowers as well in, something, in front of something that you obviously put your heart into, weren't expecting a reaction like this. It must feel almost surreal. Yeah, it, it, you know, it is a bit surreal because I've seen the, um, you know, the build-up from you know, the first flowers being laid um, and then just as it built up through the, the crowds. And now I'm seeing the videos... And, you know, and I'm getting tagged in these photos from the New York International Times, from the Wall Street Journal, or, you know, front pay, um, news articles in Japan. Um, and I just got sent a video then of what was going on there last night in London. And it's, it's touching. It's, it's really, it's emotional as well. The whole, the love for Bowie is overwhelming. Yeah, you know? exactly. I mentioned before that it reminded me of New York's Central Park back when Lennon died and people got together and started singing Imagine. And to see just, you know, hundreds of people singing David Bowie songs is incredible, I think. It is. And that's what's taking place. And, and, and it's, it's a beautiful thing, you know, that it, his music can have such a positive um, effect on the world. Helen, how are you? What's up? Uh, just before when you played the, um, when you were talking about Brixton, the, the mural and everyone singing outside just gave me absolute goosebumps. And uh, last night I, I forgot to say condolences to all his family, friends and band members and every all the millions and millions of fans around the world. It's yeah. devastating news. You know, Certainly none of th- us knew. He kept it pretty quiet, didn't he? Didn't he ever? But photographers didn't follow him around probably and I can understand that. That's the thing about the Black Star album. I mean, he even made his death an art. Yeah. If you look at the video. Isn't that song haunting? He's he's single. It's just haunting. What's Izzy Stradlin? Izzy Stradlin a guitar, Phil. Do you remember seeing him at the Palace? We went and saw him at the Palace in Melbourne about 20 years ago. No, I don't remember at all. Was I there? Yeah. Did I try and get up on stage? No. That makes a change. (laughs) The former Gunners manager, Alan Niven. Now, there's a name I haven't heard for a while. No, David Niven's brother. (laughs) 
uh, reckons that uh, Izzy could be joining them for the uh, Coachella headline slot and subsequent reunion tour. Slash Duff and Axel already been confirmed for the reunion. Izzy Stradlin, Izzy for real? Here's what Alan Niven had to say. Izzy will sit on the sidelines until he feels like he wants to get his toes in the water. He he want, he doesn't like all the, all, all the palaver and drama and I, I think he's written with them. Back in 86, 87, 88, 89, 1991, it was unpredictable. Uh, how long is this going to last? I'm not a betting person. There you go, Alan Niven, brother of David. All we need is just a little patience, my friend. He needs a moustache like his brother, one of them pencil-thin ones. <laughs> he could be in The Return of the Pink Panther. Caroline's on the phone, a massive David Bowie fan. Oh, my God. I was driving home last night and I just heard the news and I just I had to stop and pull over. He, he was my icon. I grew up in the 80s and Aladdin saying Ziggy Stardust. I went and saw him at Kuyong, um, glass of tour. I rang my best friend in Queensland. She's had a vigil all night. Oh, really? <laughs> We just like, we love Bowie so much. I forgot to do this earlier, but I'm going to do it now. And my dad, who's been in hospital, he's had uh, a stent put in his heart. It's about, I think, about the third time he's actually had this done. And he gets to be grumpy as all hell when um, he's waiting to go through and doesn't want to talk to anyone. And I'm supposed to ring him and I tried to call him and uh, I left messages, nothing. And then my brother gets in touch with me via text and goes, Dad says, says stop ringing him because he's really grumpy. So I haven't rung him, right? And then I get this phone call from my dad. Why haven't you rung me? Because <laughs> you're supposed to be really grumpy. Yes, well, I'm okay now. Can you say hello to these people? So I've got to say hello to Sue, who listens to Triple M, who's in the bed next to him, or can't, can't be right, maybe up the hall, I don't know. Uh, maybe he's flirting with her. And also Brad and the nurses at the cardiac unit at St. George Public Hospital. So there you go. I did it. Because you know what'll happen next time I go and see him. And don't bring me anything. Don't bring me anything. So I don't bring him anything. And then I go there and he's like, why haven't you brought me anything? Yeah, you'll be in so much trouble if you don't say hello to those people. Yeah, yeah. And like, Hi, Sue. Supposed to go and go collect his car keys on the weekend. And uh, I had to go boxing. So I said to him, I'm going to go boxing. So I won't be able to pick up your car keys until after one. Get a message on my phone at 11. Where are you? <laughs> get your shit together and get down to the hospital and get my car. So it's a no-win situation. Anybody that's got a dad who's grumpy, knows exactly what I'm talking about. Sounds a lot like you, Phil. (laughs) As we continue to mourn the death of uh, David Bowie, Ricky Gervais is a guy who was a huge Bowie fan and told a great story about meeting David Bowie. After the office sort of broke in England, you get invited to all these things, and then one came through, VIP audience with David Bowie. Now, Bowie has been my hero for about 30 years. So I went, yeah, right. So we went along, me and my girlfriend. He was amazing. Went to the green room afterwards. There was various people there. And Greg Dyke, head of BBC, comes over and goes, you're a fan, aren't you? I went, oh, I love Bowie. And come and meet him. I went, no, 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 no. He went, now come and meet him. I went, oh, we're walking to see Bowie. He goes, Salmon, Salmon Rushdie joins us. So there's me, Greg Dyke, my girlfriend, Salmon Rushdie. We go down and meet David Bowie. Mental. I didn't think he knew I was then. I think someone told him afterwards and they gave him a DVD of The Office and I got an email out of the blue from him. He's like the FBI. He just got my email. I think he's like plugged in to the World Wide Web. And... He just put, I watched, I laughed, what do I do now? And um, we became sort of pen pals. And I remember I um, sent him an email for his, I think, 57th or 58th birthday. And I put, happy birthday. And I put, 58. Isn't it time you got a proper job? Ricky Gervais, 42, comedian. He sent back, I have a proper job. David Bowie, rock god. The world is still getting crazy. Driving instructors in Holland can trade lessons for sex. 
Apparently, cabinet ministers reportedly declared, although they did have a big debate about the controversial practice. I don't know how big the debate was. I don't know if it was a mass debate. Who knows? Apparently, offering driving lessons for Nookie doesn't equate to prostitution because sex was not being sold, they decided. Prostitution, incidentally, is legal in the Netherlands for anybody that went to Amsterdam for anything other than the pot. But anyway, apparently, as long as the instructor makes the deal, the two consenting adults have the green light to enter into such a bargain, although it's important that the initiative lies with the driving instructor and focuses on offering an actual driving lesson with the payment being paid for in the act of making love. Now, look, work with me or not here on this. Doesn't this just sound like a really bad, dodgy porn movie? Am I doing okay today, Kev? Mm, yeah, baby. Mm, just give me a heart right here. <laughs> just here? Yeah, pull in hard. Slide into that tight spot. <laughs> okay. Don't you let go of the gear stick now. Shouldn't I keep both hands on the wheel, Kev? Just grip that stick tight. <laughs> keep going. Yeah, faster, faster. Faster? Don't stomp. Make sure you're using your hands correctly now, like I taught you. Is this just what you wanted me to pull into? <laughs> pull it in here. Pull it in here. Slide it into that spot there that says, hey. <laughs> You may find this a bit disturbing. He helped me. Go! Oh. Triple M, the rubber room.